You know, as God's people fell into sin, the Spirit altered His role as Creator. And He became a force that empowers people to do things they could not normally do. Jesus had come and taught them many things. He proceeded to die for their sins, and then He rose again on the third day. And after He ascended into heaven, the Spirit came down and empowered Christians to spread the good news. But the church was up against a dark world set against them. Would the church be able to withstand the difficulties they were now facing, not only from beyond themselves, but from within. So welcome to our third week of our series, The Force Versus the Spirit. The sermon series asked the question, is there a real difference between what we see as the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and what the movie portrays as the Force in the Star Wars series? Some people don't know the difference. There are similarities. There are huge differences. But we live in a day and age where maybe people don't know what the Holy Spirit is about. Now, ultimately this series is about the Holy Spirit. It's extremely important to the church. Maybe a forgotten component of the church. That's why we're addressing it today during this series. But if you are Star Wars fans, you're going to notice a few extra quotes, a few extra illustrations that I hope you like. So, last week we ended on the part in Acts 2 where the Holy Spirit came down into the early church, when all the believers were gathered together. And he came down and it was miraculous. And they spoke in, in, in languages, and, and they heard them in their own language, and it was really powerful. It was important for, for that to happen so the gospel could be spread, and it could grow beyond their little area of the world. But would the church really be able to withstand All the forces against them going forward. There was much persecution. There were so many things that could have destroyed the church. What would happen to the church now going forward? That's what we're going to talk about today. Because the gospel was spreading. And it was moving into southern Europe. And churches were popping up in places like Ephesus and Philippi and Corinth and Rome. And those are just to name a few of the places. And the Apostle Paul and his companions were responsible for much of that rapid growth. Now, it's interesting you got Paul spreading the gospel, right? Because if you know anything about the Apostle Paul, you know he was, in a sense, converted from the dark side, right? You think of Paul, if you watch any of the last Star Wars movies, and uh, the last three, there's this character called Finn. And he starts out in the evil empire, what they call the First Order, and he's on the dark side. He's a stormtrooper. But he can't carry out all the evil commands he's given, and he jumps over to the good side. He went from killing the good people to leading them. That's Paul. He went from killing Christians to leading them. And then he started couldn't keep up with all the churches popping up, so he had to write letters to these churches. You know, we talk about the force in Star Wars, and it's probably over the point, this has been going on for since 1977, Star Wars has influenced our culture. And I would have to admit that maybe the, the force in this 
kind of Eastern mysticism has probably influenced our culture in a negative way in this pluralistic society where there's just every which way to God you can go to. Um, But on the positive side, Star Wars is a story and a series about redemption. And my friends, that's our message. They got that from us. That's the gospel message. And Paul is running these churches and, and trying to remind them what we are about, what they are about. Now, some of these churches were on the right track, and they were doing pretty well. They just needed a little encouragement to keep going the right way. Some of the churches, though, were having their problems. See, these letters were not written blindly, generically. They were written with each church in mind, with what they were going through, and we have to keep that in mind. Paul heard about their successes. He heard about their struggles. So we're going to be dealing with with what Paul is writing specifically to those churches and what that means for us. But you kind of have to wonder, what was the Spirit now doing? Okay, he gathered, did that miraculous thing in Acts 2 when all the believers... but, But what was the churches now supposed to do with the Holy Spirit? I mean, was the Spirit just something of the past, like that miracle in Acts, and then they were just supposed to remember that and remember what Jesus did when he was on earth and remember what God did in the Old Testament, but really nothing's going to go on anymore? Was that what they were experiencing? Or was some of that still applicable today? Was Was the Spirit still doing things in their church? And if it was in their church, what does that mean for 2020 in our church today? So there's two topics that I want to address today. The fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. Now, I've preached, I think, on on this once before since I've been here, and mainly on the fruits of the Spirit. So we're going to turn those around today. I'm going to preach mainly on the gifts of the Spirit, but I'm going to start with the easy one, and that's the fruits of the Spirit. Okay? So let me read Galatians 5, 16-24 for you. So I say, walk by the Spirit. You will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That's pretty basic Not that it's not extremely challenging, but it's pretty basic and clear. As you grow in your faith, you are to live by the Spirit. Now, the Bible uses some other terminology, live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit, grow in the Spirit, all meaning the same things. We're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. It's not something you are given as much as something you develop. Intentionally cooperate with the Spirit. Yes, the Spirit is behind it but you have to intentionally 
jump in. And it will lead you into new ways of living. But it might seem contrary to your basic first instinct, your basic flesh. It's in conflict. Now, if you've ever seen the very first Star Wars movie, there's a moment in which Luke Skywalker starts to learn the Force for the first time. And he's in this spaceship, and he's got this lightsaber, which is a sword of sorts. And his mentor sets out this little robot droid thing, and it floats around and shoots these little stun lasers at him. And he's trying to block them with his sword. And he's not doing a very good job, but it keeps stunning him. And then Obi-Wan says something so bizarre that he says, your eyes can deceive you. Don't trust them. And he hasn't put a helmet on with a shield over his eyes. So he cannot see the droid shooting at him. And he's supposed to just block it with just his senses. Just reaching out and with this. There is a little bit of truth. In the sense that when you are led by the Spirit, especially as you begin to be led by the Spirit, it will seem contrary to what your flesh desires. And you will have to kind of ignore that basic idea of what you think makes sense or what you want, right? You're led by the Spirit. It seems illogical at first. As you follow it, it will make much more sense because you will have much more success in life as you follow the Spirit. Now, the fruits of the Spirit are of the utmost importance in our lives. They should be pursued above really all things. They are more important in the rankings than the gifting of the Spirit. Don't forget that. The gifts of the Spirit, though, largely been ignored by the church. At least our type, certain denominations, ours probably included. And there's a few different places you can find them. Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12. And as you read through some of these lists, and you really don't know if there's a complete list, even if you add them all together, but they seem to just name some of them in each passage. They're some of the most challenging scriptures, and and I'm going to explain why some of it is challenging today. I'm only going to focus on one. I'm going to focus on 1 Corinthians 12, because that's really, in fact, one of the most difficult passages. And the reason why Corinthians is is difficult as a whole book. Because like I said earlier, Galatians is one of those books that you could read and you say, wow, that's pretty generic. Church is doing okay. Paul's writing about the basic fundamental truths of the gospel. But Corinthians, this church has its problems. And he's having to address, and we learn about these issues through Paul telling us about the misuse of some of these things in these churches. Some of these people were using their gifts and causing disunity in the church because they were using their gifts for their selfish, not for the greater good. So they were being seduced by the dark side. So Paul has to cover up a, cover a number of problems 
And he has to cover them somewhat quickly in Corinthians to be able to get to them all. So we're going to focus on chapter 12, but let me give you a little bit of context of where chapter 12 lands. In chapter 11, he's addressing all these contextual issues like women and speaking out in church and covering their head. And he has to talk about the use of the Lord's Supper and what it really means and just having to deal with the problems that they were experiencing in Corinth at the time. You jump ahead to the, to the next chapter after the chapter we're going to talk about, which is 1 Corinthians 13. If you've ever been to a wedding, you've heard 1 Corinthians 13, right? Love is patient, love is kind, you know? All the things that make us feel guilty that we're not doing very well. And then right sandwiched between those is 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to read the first 11 verses. And they're loaded. I'll see the second half. So let me read that for you. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray by to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. And there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but all in all of them, and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given the Spirit, a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. And all these are at work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes to each of them just as he Again, I don't know if this, this is not a complete list because there's others in the other past, other um, books I reference. But the Bible gives a complete list when you add them together, I'm not sure. A lot has been said regarding, over the century, regarding the validity or non-validity of these gifts. See, some denominations and some certain scholars take a a view that, see, the Bible talks about some of these gifts passing away at some point. And they talk about, the Bible says, when the perfect comes, the partial will be, will pass away. I don't remember the exact word. And that means at some point, some of these gifts at least will not be invalid for the church. They won't be needed anymore. So the billion dollar question is, are they needed still today? Are they still in play? Because what what one group of people said was, well, when the perfect comes, that means when the Bible is assembled. When the Bible all gets assembled, which wasn't back then, then the perfect has come. I used to kind of think that a little bit, somewhat. Another group of people, just the opposite group of people, said, you know what, not true at all. In fact, you can have not just one gift, but you can have them all. You can have them all. In fact, just open up your mouth, start talking, and tongues will come out. I don't think either of these groups are right at this point, but it is difficult to know. So we're going to move forward in this church trying to understand what we do believe. 
But first of all, let's do a quick overview of what we know of the Holy Spirit. Because if we don't get grounded in the basics here, we're never going to be able to do this correctly. Number one, the Holy Spirit is a being. Not an impersonal force. It's a part of the Trinity. Number two, the Holy Spirit lives both in Christians, inside of us, does still, and beyond them and us still. Number three, Paul states the fruit of the Spirit should be our highest goal, and we should be mindful to walk in, live by it, or in step with it. That's the journey. And number four, at least back then, the gifts of the Spirit were available to Christians and to those who wanted to be baptized, filled, or anointed with that Spirit. We have to remember, fruits of the Spirit are grown, as you cooperate, and gifts are given. Pretty easy to remember, right? Fruit, grown, takes time, journey, gifts, seed. I believe these gifts are still in play. I think the proper reading Again, my opinion, I believe the proper understanding of the Scripture is that when the perfect comes, that's when Jesus returns, when he comes back. What does this passage tell us about these gifts for us? As you read through this, you can see that there's, early on in that passage, it talks about the testing kind of of the Spirit, which, which I think needs to happen because it tells me there's a lot of other spirits out there that are vying for attention and that want to do something miraculous, but in a false way, not giving credit to Jesus. And they won't acknowledge Christ as Lord. So there must be some testing of the Spirit. And we don't want to have just stuff going on that we don't understand and, and not really know what, what's from Jesus. This is not from Jesus and it's just a show, it's just fake, it's just power, it's just ego, just like Corinthians were doing, some of them. Second thing I notice when I read this passage is, we don't get all the gifts. You might get one gift, you might get multiple gifts, but you're not getting all the gifts. We get different gifts, and if you read through that passage, it further explains that there's a the body, if you remember but the body of Christ scripture, where it talks about each of us are different parts of the body, and that each even, and, and the parts that think they have lesser gifts, God gives extra value to. So even if your gift is like, well, I don't think I got much of a gift. That doesn't mean much. I mean, let's face it. Gift of administration doesn't really look so great compared to like the gift of prophecy. Right? I got the gift of administration. It's like Charlie Brown. What did you get? Halloween. I got a rock. I got a rock. You got candy. I got peanut butter cups. I got a rock. But Jesus says, no, no, it doesn't work like that. My, my, my world's upside down. My priority's upside down compared to what you think. You know what? I've been really thinking about the Spirit, reading about the Spirit, reading about a lot of things in this last year that I had not given much time to. And you know what? We're just kind of desperate right now in our world. And I know that we shouldn't do desperate things just because we're in a desperate situation. And yet there is a sense in which it's biblical. 
better be part of it. You better be open to it. And we shouldn't show out the baby with the bathwater just because some people abuse it. Yeah, I'm not talking about here about private use of gifts. If you decide that in your own prayer life that speaking a private language that you don't know and that's between you and God, that's up to you. I'm talking here about how it's used in the body. How it's used about in the church. And the Bible talks about that. And how it's supposed to be. What do we learn from this passage? The Holy Spirit offers us gifts. Not all of them. Number two, we should want these gifts. While we don't place them above the law of love and the, and the pursuit of the fruits of the Spirit, we should want what God wants to give us. Should we not? I mean, how, how basic is that? If God wants to give you something, don't you want it? Unless, of course, you know, whether, whether you should want it if you don't want to live in God's ways, that might be a different question. But if you want to live in the fruit of the Spirit, you want to grow and be the person God wants you to be, shouldn't you want God wants to But whatever God wants to give you, keep the next one in mind. No gift should be seen as greater or less than any other gift. And that seems to be what the problem is in Corinth in some way or another. And what I hear about in other churches as well, who practice these gifts. As our people in our, in our church have studied about praying for people and, and, and all that, there are people with gifts, and they, people can get jealous of each other's gifts. Where do we go from here as a church? That's why I say next Sunday is important Sunday. Pray for next Sunday. We're going to review a little bit. I'm going to spell out what this means a little bit for today. I'm not going to quote as much scripture because we've been going through the whole Bible over the last number of weeks, what the Spirit is, but I'm going to talk about where denomination has come from, where I have come from, where we are now. And we're going to do two things next Sunday. First thing we're going to do is we're going to give people a chance to sign their name on the back for a week committed to growing in the Spirit. Remember, fruits of the Spirit. Fruits of the Spirit. And we're going to designate February 2nd through the 9th, which is not right away. It just fell best on the calendar to wait the following sun, after the following Sunday. But it'll give you a chance to sign up for a week or so. Say, I'm going to try to do that. And some of that is basically living out, trying to say, you know, the basic ideas of fruits of the Spirit. You know, live it in joy, hope, peace. Some of that's just that simple and basic. The, the Maybe the, the challenging part is, and then this is a process too, but it's, it's learning how to be sensitive to what that spirit leads you. I haven't got this all figured out in my own life, so I don't expect you to figure out in your life. It means you're going to be more flexible. And maybe, Bob, if, if the spirit says, you know, it gives you an idea of something loving to do for someone, something biblical to do, maybe I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to follow that out. I'm going, to, I'm going to maybe think that that was God whispering in my ear. I'm going to do that. Even though maybe normally I might just say, I miss it. I'm too busy. Got too much stuff to do. He has to just dig in for a week and say, okay, I'm going to try. And hopefully we're all trying to do that in some, some way or another, but to really concentrate fully for a week. That's, that's number one. You need to sign up next week. We're also, I'm going to ask anybody who wants to come forward 
And I'm going to pray for people briefly, individually, by name. And I'm going to take some oil. I'm going to anoint you on the forehead if you want to. If you've ever done Ash Wednesday. This will be with oil. I'm going to say a prayer over you. I'm going to ask God if if it's I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if a miracle will happen that instant. I don't know if it will be a time thing where you have to discover down the road. I don't know. I'm okay with it. I'm not in charge. I'm not in charge. And if God anoints anybody with gifts, use them, we're going to make sure they're done in the biblical way. This is new ground for me. I don't know if it's new ground for you. It's new ground for me. Pray for me. Pray for the church. Pray that this is of God. Pray that the Spirit is moving. Pray that we don't become like the church. And my friends, we need all the weapons we have available to us in this world. We're up against an evil enemy. 